Sports Radio 104.3 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, here's Terry. Good morning on this, uh, well, it's a beautiful Saturday. It's a little cloudy up here in Fort Collins, but it's supposed to, I think it's supposed to warm up. Well, it's already warm. It's supposed to be nice, good little wind today. Uh, we're headed for a warm weekend, and the next week we get back to a little more seasonal weather, but there's nothing wrong with that. It's going to be 75 to mid-80s. It's going to be a great time to be out. we got a lot to talk about. During the course of the show today, we're going to talk a lot about the the availability of trails and uh, you know how you can access them and how you can use them because so many people are getting out. So we're going to spend some time on that. We, obviously, we have a lot of fishing to cover today. We're going to cover both uh, fly fishing and spin fishing. Uh, author Steve Schweitzer will join us in the second hour. We're going to talk. Uh, fly fishing up at Rocky Mountain National Park and the the Indian Peaks Wilderness area, if you want to get away from things a little bit. But then we're going to talk about some alternative fly fishing, too, that I think you'll enjoy. Chad Lachance will join us next hour. Uh, we just got a lot to get to, so let's go right to the phones now. And one of our frequent contributors, in fact, he's uh, quite often a fill-in host on the show, you hear him a lot, Brad Peterson from Brad Peterson Outdoors. Good morning, Brad. Good morning, Terry. I understand you're out on the water, is that right? Yeah, we're out on Boyd Lake right now catching some walleyes and a few white bass and uh, enjoying this nice cloudy weather like you're talking about. Yeah, it actually probably will help the fish bite and make it a little comfortable. Yesterday it got hot. It was really warm. I think we set some records around parts of the state. So so what are you finding out uh, on the water? Uh, is Boyd fishing pretty well? Yeah, Boyd has really started to turn on. In the last week to 10 days, they've put oh, almost six to eight feet of water in the lake. And so what it's done is it's it's pushed the, the bass have gone up shallow. The, the flooded brush and trees are you know, that, that had been dry, now have water on them. So a lot of the bass are moving shallow, uh, the largemouth. The smallmouth are still hanging out in about that 15-foot range, but they're they're biting real well on jigs. And then the live bait bite for the walleyes has just really turned on, pulling the, you know, we're pulling bottom bouncers and uh, spinners like smile blades right now. And it's uh, it's not as deep as most people are fishing. Most people are out there fishing 16 to 20, but the good bite I've found is more in that 8 to 10-foot range. There's some some clear bottom that you can find, and that's where where the bite is really taking off right now. Now, fishing that 8 to 10-foot range with the bottom bouncers, do you have to get them out behind the boat a little bit? Do you find the boat is spooking them when you're that shallow? No, it isn't. Uh, there's enough color in the water. And the other thing is, is there's weeds in there. So I actually like to run it a little more vertical. Um, if you put it out too far, you end up snagging a lot more of the moss and the little weeds. So if you keep them a little more vertical, you may catch some of those fish before they spook out. And then the other thing is um, you're avoiding hanging up in as much of the weeds. So I'm, I'm running the bottom out. There's almost a foot off bottom just to avoid as much of the weeds as possible. But um, it's it's good, fast action right now, that's for sure. And are you tipping that with a night crawler? Is that what you're doing? 
Right now, it seems like the Nightcrawler's doing a little better. Um, I have tipped them with uh, either, you know, some artificial, like, biobait leeches at times will catch some fish, or their, uh, their little squirm worm, if you get into the perch, I tell you what, using an artificial will save your sanity because those perch and little bluegills will just peck the heck out of your night crawlers. So if I definitely am getting into panfish, I'm going to go with a, a little bit more of an artificial option behind those spinners. Now, uh, you said there's pretty good numbers. Any size at Boyd? You know, the size, most of today we've got a, a hand, you know, a couple keepers with some short fish yesterday. We got a lot of fish in that uh, 16 to 18 inch range, uh, the ones we were catching. So I think there's there's decent sized fish in right now. None of the big fish are really showing up, but uh, the real good eater sized fish are definitely out here to be caught. Now, what about some of the other lakes in the Northeast? I know you fish out by Pruitt and Jackson and Sterling a lot. What are you seeing in those areas? Well, I'm seeing that uh, Jackson, or, uh, Jackson's been on fire for trolling, uh, mainly a, a crankbait presentation. Uh, I'm trolling in that, again, kind of that uh, seven to nine foot range. And I'm going um, about two miles an hour with smaller crankbaits. Size fives seem to really be producing the fish right now. And the fish have moved a little bit. The fish were uh, on that west shoreline, and they're moving a little bit more towards the dam. And there are some nicer fish getting caught out there, you know, fish up into the 20-inch range. And the wipers have at least had been pretty good. Um, they moved a little bit on me, and I was out there on Thursday and didn't really find a bunch of the wipers again. But they should be, you know, moving up to that dam here fairly soon to catch a lot more fish. Then if you go further east, uh, Sterling, there's a phenomenal jig bite out there. I was out there uh, Tuesday, and we caught 57 fish with uh, two walleyes over 23 inches. And so that bite is doing really well. Um, it's, it's a shallower bite. They just started getting some water in, so hopefully that will make it better. But uh, uh, I was fishing a lot of that, uh, keeping the boat in about 10 feet fishing structure, casting up there, and using either twisters or paddle tails. Uh, seemed like a chartreuse twister or a, a white paddle tail. Both in the, uh, the original biobait were what caught the vast majority of our fish out there. And then, you know, all the way out east, if you want to go to chase big walleyes, Jumbo's probably your best bet right now. Um, it's been fishing a little tougher, but your chance at a mid-20-inch fish is still really good out at Jumbo. Yeah, a couple of things I want to comment on, too, right away. Sterling, you mentioned the walleye bite is good. Later on in the second hour when Steve Schweitzer's on, we're going to talk about another fish at Sterling that the fly fishermen are having phenomenal luck with, and that's the carp. And so if you are a fly fisherman or if you just want to chase some carp, you can uh, you can uh, head out. Let's stay tuned for that in the second hour. The other thing, Brad, is the curly tail grub. You mentioned you were catching walleyes at Sterling on that curly tail. You know, since a lot of the minnow baits came along and a lot of people are using paddle baits or small swim baits, the curly tail grub has kind of got shoved down the list a little bit. But Karen just posted an episode of a television show I did on Chatfield a few years ago, and it starts out with Troy Coburn and I catching walleyes on curly tail grubs 
right off the structure there. And that's a bait that should see a resurgence because it shouldn't have got pushed aside for the new new presentations the way it is because that, that did because it really has a place in your tackle box, doesn't it? Oh, it does. And one of the great things about, you know, a two and a half to a three inch uh, curly tail is it is a presentation that is extremely versatile. While we were out at Sterling with that grub, we're also catching crappies. You know, people are catching crappies up at uh, Jumbo with them as well. So it's a bait that you can catch trout. You can catch some bigger panfish, crappies, uh, bass will hit them uh, in a little bit more of your natural colors. So that's one to definitely, you know, keep in mind. And I just keep a few colors of them on hand. I keep a, a black or a green pumpkin, kind of a dark natural color, a white, and then a chartreuse. Those are my three colors that I go to most of the time. And it's going to cover uh, probably 80% of the, the time that you're on the water, just having those three colors. And if I'm struggling, that's that's a go-to because it just it catches fish. Well, and there's a lot of ways to fish it. I, I like you. I try to keep a neutral color, maybe a smoke or a pumpkin. I keep a white, and then I keep a bright color like a chartreuse for those situations. And I'll let the fish kind of tell me what they're reacting to. In Colorado, when the water's clear, when I used to fish a lot of curly tail grubs, and I have to admit, I'm guilty of going to a lot of the minnow baits and things. I I fish a lot of curly tail grubs. I used to. I was prone to go to the neutral colors. I always felt that I could get some fish to bite where you might get a more you might get a more reaction bite and more fish on bright colors at times, but sometimes the bright color would spook them. So I, if I knew the neutral color could present a bait fish or a crawfish or even an insect-like presentation, and it didn't have a lot of negative connotations to it. By the way, before we go, go on here, Brad, somebody sent a text in on the text line asking what you were catching at Jackson. I assume you were catching walleyes there, right? Uh, Jackson was predominantly walleyes with some wipers thrown in, and you were talking about the uh, fly fishing for some other species. I know some fly fishermen from the shore that are doing really good on the wipers, kind of over in the uh, the Swim Beach Inlet area at Jackson right now. Um, they're catching fish. You know, I've seen some fish up into the mid-20-inch range, but a lot of those 15- to 17-inch wipers using more of your – uh, streamer salmon fly type presentations and man you want to talk about a fish that's going to put up a ton of fight and you're just going to have a blast with a fly rod or or even conventional tackle uh you can't hardly beat a good wiper oh they're they're fantastic i uh if you catch a five to ten pound wiper you think you've got a 20 pound fish of any other size on i was at sterling you mentioned sterling catfishing once and i had cut bait out on some fairly heavy-duty gear, and I hooked into a wiper that must have been, oh, 15 pounds or 10. It was over 12. I didn't weigh it, but it was pretty good size. And I had been catching some pretty good-sized catfish, and all of a sudden I had braided line on, and I had a fairly stout leader, and all of a sudden that cut bait started taking off, and I tightened up and set the hook like it was a catfish, and it stayed down. And it was going through these weeds, and it cut those weeds off like it was a mower going through there. It was just unbelievable. What a tussle. And it was just a fan. They're just fantastic fish. You know, the wiper, for a while, we weren't stocking as many in Colorado because we were getting eggs from places 
that hatched too soon and they weren't fitting in with our water cycles. Now we've seemed to uh, overcome that and we are stocking more wipers again, but they're being more selective. Is that what you've heard? Yeah. um, Although this year, uh, the wipers, along with the walleyes, they didn't stock any of them uh, because of the COVID concerns with uh, collecting eggs. So we're going to be missing year classes of both wipers and walleyes um, in the state, in all of our eastern plains lakes. But, yeah, they, they are definitely still stocking some. They're starting to get a striper population out there at the uh, Pawnee Power Plant. So we'll have the resources to create create our own wipers going forward. And they are kind of being a little more selective about which lakes they're stocking. It seems like uh, certain lakes are going more with a a walleye management and others more with a wiper management. So one of the best things to do is to go on the uh, CPW website and you're able to go look at the fishing uh, survey summaries and it'll show you what's been stocked in there. And it also will give you the contact email for the biologist. If you have a question, you can email the biologist and when they have a break from doing their summer uh, sampling work, they'll get, get back to you and give you information about the, what the goals are, what's getting stocked in there. And that's always good information for those eastern plains lakes. As water fluctuates, you know, sometimes certain lakes will have a little bit of a a downturn because of a poor water year. And uh, those biologists really stay on top of that information. Now, the last thing, I oh, two things. One, I will mention that my understanding is a lot of where they're managing the wipers, too, they're trying to maintain a crappie population, so they're trying to balance that, and that seems to have been successful. We're seeing more crappies on a lot of these lakes. Are you seeing that? Yeah, the, the crappie population is doing real good. The state is stocking crappies this year, but uh, Jackson has some crappies, uh, Pruitt has some really good crappies in it. They can be hard to find because there's not a lot of structure. Um, Sterling, people are going out um, doing really good on the crappies. They're they're right right about spawning time. Then there also is uh, Jumbo. They're just finishing up spawning up there, so the crappies are going to be pulling out to the deeper weed edges. But if you want to go target crappies, that's a fish species that you know maybe people don't think about as much as they do in the Midwest or down South, but you can get into a lot of crappies and the state has gone to managing a lot of these bodies of waters with a 10 inch minimum, which means you're going to catch a lot of fish. And once you get those 10 inches, those are really good eating size fish. So you'll get both numbers and quality of fish. We've got to run Brad. If people want more information or if they want to book a guide trip with you, how do they get a hold of you? Uh, the best way is you can look me up on Facebook at Brad Peterson Outdoors or give me a call or shoot me a text at 303-829-3998. All right. My friend, good luck the rest of the day. We'll talk to you during the week, I'm sure. All right. Thanks a lot, Terry. All right. Brad Peterson from Brad Peterson Outdoors. We're going to take a quick time out, and we come back. We're going to switch things up, and we're going to talk Colorado trails right here on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. from outdoors on 104.3 the fan i promised you we were going to talk some trails this hour we've got a couple segments coming up let's go right to the phones uh joining us from colorado parks and wildlife is 
Uh, Fletcher Jacobs. Good morning, Fletcher. Good morning, Terry. How are you? You know, I'm doing great. I don't know what it's like down in Denver. I assume that's where you're at. I'm a little cloudy up here in Fort Collins, but warm. It's still going to be a beautiful day to get out. And uh, we are seeing a lot of use on our trails right now. A lot of people are looking forward for ways to get out. Of course, there's no money involved in having to maintain trails or form them or anything. We just let a few animals walk around and make game trails, right? <laughs> yeah, Terry, I, uh, that is a, a pretty common mis- misconception. Um, yes, uh, unfortunately, there's, there's quite a bit of cost that, that goes into it. it. I wish it was just as simple as a couple game trails and we could throw folks out there. But as, as, as you mentioned, we see the, the increased use here in Colorado um, as we get to the 6 million, we, we kind of estimate we have population-wise, and we look at our numbers, we know that approximately 83% are out doing some sort of trail recreation um, annually. We look at the actual data from user days. The last time we did a study, it was about 400 million user days out on the trails. And if you compare that to all other outdoor recreation uses combined, it was 235 million. So it's just just a ton of people out there, and, and as yeah, as we're joking about, there's there's a cost to that, and that's kind of what uh, our our program, the State Trails Program, works on, is trying to find some funding solutions to work with our partners, both local open spaces, um, other state agencies, as well as of course our federal partners, which has the majority of trails in Colorado. Now, um, about uh, the pr- the previous uh, administration in Colorado had a goal that there would be a trail or a park within park. ten minutes of everybody's house and i know you've been working to interconnect all those whether that's an achievable goal it's certainly an admirable one and especially now you know where people are trying to get out close to home so in and most parts even urban or suburban suburban or rural colorado there's trails that are fairly close and easy to access but you mentioned these trails are multiple use what kind of users use the trails in colorado well, we we get all kinds. I mean, I think our the the number one use is definitely hiking. So folks out hiking, backpacking. Um, obviously, you, you mentioned here the urban urban areas. I'm sitting here in Denver, looking at the the rain start to roll in here. Um, but I we were out earlier, got up early um, to try to beat this weather, and was surprised. Went to a local open space, and um, lots of folks out walking, jogging. Um, so that's that's by far the the number one use. But of course, coming up, um, we think about our our OHV. Uh, OHV use, so folks out on dirt bikes, ATVs, side-by-sides, um, obviously a little bit more up, up in the uh, out in the, the rural areas, up in the Forest Service BLM properties, but of course mountain bikers, equestrians, you know, we, we get a mix of all of them, and that's kind of our, our, our goal as the state trails program is to, you know, kind of advocate and, and make sure we're maintaining those trails um, up to the, you know, the safe standards, sustainable, making sure we're taking care of kind of the resources that, you know, trails are really our connection to do that, so we try to and we work with as best we can all the users to have these conversations and and kind of break down a little bit of the us versus them because of course as you know more folks move to Colorado younger generations you know folks don't identify so much as you know I'm I'm just a mountain biker I'm just a hiker you know folks folks kind of do a little bit of everything these days so I think we're we're getting some headway there but yeah there's a lot of users and obviously what a you know Someone riding a dirt bike looking for a single track experience is going to be a little bit different than what someone on horseback is going to be looking for. So just having those conversations, that's, that's kind of what, um, our, our goal. Yeah, there's just it's tremendous multiple use. You know, in our resource, Colorado is an outdoor state. People love to go outdoors. We see having to share the resources on the water, the lakes. We see it 
We see it on the trails. We see it at the parks. And hopefully, you know, with so many people getting out and new people venturing out, we'll see some uh, some cooperation and common sense. A couple things, you know, you mentioned you know, we've got trails like for ATVs and snowmobiles, but they're kind of self-paying at least because they uh, they um, they they pay a license fee that goes into maintaining those trails. What about the rest of the trails, the ones that are used mostly for hiking or maybe for a, a hunter that's walking up into the woods or a fisherman or, or a mountain biker? Um, how do you get the money for those trails, and how long has there been an official program in Colorado? For sure. So we've had an official, the, the state trails um, program really started back in 1971, and that was part of getting to your other question about the funding. Um, that was created to make us eligible for recreational trails program money. And that's RTP, that program is administered by the Federal Highway Association, um, excuse me, administration. And it, it, so we formed here in 1971, and that, that RTP dollars, that's actually a, an excise tax on off-highway vehicle um, fuel use. So every state gets an allocation based on the number of um, OHVs, ATVs that, that they have in the state. So. You know, if you think about it from the motorized community's perspective, um, you know, they're, as you mentioned, they they stood up and said, you know, go ahead and, and charge us this fee, a registration or permit, depending if it's in-state or out-of-state. Um, you know, they pay for OHVs, it's $25.25, a little bit of that goes, to, of course, to the search and rescue fund. And then for snowmobiles, it's $30.25, and it's the same search and rescue. Um, so that's, when you add up the total, that's about $5 million between the two programs that is direct user generated funds that we put back out in the ground, whether it's trail maintenance, we actually hire forest service BLM crews to go out and work for um, work on those um, motorized trails, which of course is, I think it's always important to, to point out is, you know, technically we don't have any OHV only trails Our motorized trails are open for multi-use and same for the snowmobile program. We have a, you know, we pay a, we have uh, multiple clubs in Colorado, um, I think 26 um, nonprofit clubs in Colorado that take care of the trails, which are primarily on Forest Service land, but they're open to cross-country skiers, fat bikes. So the non-motorized community really gets a you know pretty good benefit for, from those dollars. So getting back to the question around you know the the non-motorized community, yeah, we currently all of those funds are through that RTP, so the the excise tax. We actually are we apportion some of that for the non-motorized based on the federal highways. They they tell us we need to have at least at least 30% of those dollars go to non-motorized funds. So we put some of the dollars there, and the rest is made up from Great Outdoors Colorado. So Go Code Money um, helps us fund the rest of those dollars since we don't have any sort of user fees that go into it. Now, I, I think you told me once there was like 45,000 miles of legal trails in Colorado. I know a lot of them, may, and, and, and I, I know I joked when we started the segment that animals would just try to pack them down, but it takes a lot of maintenance. Now, you do a lot of volunteers, and I think you said one time you told me there was like 100,000 hours of trail crew hours. How has COVID affected your ability to get volunteers to work on trails this year? Definitely. Yeah. So great memory there. Yes, we have just over 45,000 miles of, of official trails. And I know your, your next guest will be talking a little bit more in detail about that. Um, but that's across, you know, all, all Forest Service, BLM, um, as well as county open space land. So there's, yeah, that's a lot of trails. And that's um, the dollars we mentioned earlier. So as we, we look at our, our OHV, our snow dollars, our non-motorized, we, we have a grant program um, between those 
those three different programs that we give out money to our federal partners, um, as well as our local partners and nonprofit crews um, to go out and actually take care of those trails. So this year we just ran some of the numbers, um, taking a look at kind of the impact. And yeah, it was around just over a hundred thousand trail crew hours and those are actually paid crews. So again, we pay the forest service BLM or they, they apply for grants and are allowed to, to pay uh, good management crews, which actually go out and not only, maintain the trails put up signs they also help us enforce make sure folks are staying on the trail following the proper proper rules and regulations um, and then we also hire some crews to go out and take care of the non-motorized non-motorized trails as well uh, the volunteer crews it's interesting um, in a normal year this this would be a big kickoff for kind of their season um, them going out and obviously with, with COVID-19 and you know been working closely with you know public health and obviously the the governor's office to make sure we're doing everything appropriately. And so volunteers right now just been given the go ahead. Volunteer crews can go out again. They need to stay in crews under 10 and obviously practice the social distancing guidelines that we're all becoming familiar with. And in the outdoors, that's, you know, in a certain way, you're, you're even safer out there. If you've got more room to spread around, you can, you can get out there. But of course we think about transporting to work sites, you know, making sure you have the proper PPE, making sure your tools, we're not uh, trying to provide some more tools so we're not sharing as much just to kind of limit some of that contact. So there's additional costs that go into that. And that's, again, kind of what we do since we put out, it looks, um, you know, depending on the funding year, uh, somewhere between eight to $12 million annually um, out to these kind of on the ground, whether it's volunteers or paid crews. So we've been working closely with them since this started to make sure they can still get out there and take care of the trails because as, as yeah, we were joking at the beginning, uh, you know, folks have just increased the recreation. We just ran the numbers. State parks um, across Colorado have seen an 18% increase from last year's numbers um, over in kind of March and April. So we know we've we've seen in the, the super high kind of holiday level of visitations almost every weekend and even during the week. Um, and just got, got to make sure we're taking care of the resource. Yeah, we are out of time, but I want to mention, because we didn't get to get to it, and I'll talk more about it with Joe when he comes on, and that's how to act on the trails. And with COVID-19 and people social distancing, some people are stepping off the trails to let people go around, and I and that's probably good social distancing, but we have to be very careful we don't erode the areas around the trails. I'd like to get more into that. Maybe Joe and I can talk about it, but uh, Fletcher, thank you for such a background with great information. Definitely, Terry. Yeah, I, I appreciate the time, and uh, yeah, have a great rest of your day. All right, that's uh, Fletcher Jacobs from Colorado Parks. We're going to continue talking about trails, and we're going to talk about an app that's available that lets you map out trails throughout the state, no matter who provides them, and connect them right here on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. We are going to go right to the phones because we want to continue our discussion on trails. And joining us from Colorado Parks and Wildlife is Joe O'Brien. Good morning, Joe. Joe. Good morning, Terry. Thanks so much for having me. Hey, um, we, we were just talking to Fletcher about the extensive trails throughout Colorado and what it takes to fund them and the fact that we have multi-use trails. We have snowmobiling and ATVs and we have hiking trails and we have horseback trails and we have just about any kind of imaginable bi- uh, mountain bikes and just biking trails through town. And a lot of people want to use these and most of them are multi-use, but it used to be that if you were going to go on a long hike or a bike ride or even go hunting, you had to get maps from 
the BLM and Forest Service and the state of Colorado and maybe the county you were in because everybody managed their own part, their own trail separately. But a year or two ago, that all changed, didn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, uh, there, I, I kind of shared that uh, as a avid backpacker myself over the over the years, trying to plan trips that extended more than a mile or two. You ended up needing to go to a whole bunch of different places to try to find all the information, make sure you weren't going to run into any issues uh, around what you're allowed or not allowed to do on those trails and, you know, get the updated maps and make sure that everything was ready to go for the trips so that you'd have a good time. And uh, Cotrex, uh, short for Colorado Trails Explorer, was uh, an app that was developed here by uh, by the state that is a free application that uh, worked to map all those trails, as Fletcher mentioned in uh, in his segment there. Uh, so we have as of today, about 45,078 miles of public trails within Colorado. Those are official trails um, across uh, 236 different land management organizations. So using something like Cotrex, you can really go from a, a county park through a state park into federal lands in a real seamless way and not have to worry about those kind of uh, multiple sources and places you might have to go to find that kind of information. Now, before we get to all the information available, how do I get Cotrex? How do I get it on my phone, my computer, my tablet? Can I get it on all those? Can I share information? Kind of tell me how I first go about getting the app. Yeah, absolutely. Great question. Um, so uh, Cotrex is completely free. There's no subscription. There's no advertising. You know, it's uh, supported by the state, and you can find it at trails.colorado.gov. Uh, and that's where you can find it online. You can use it without a tablet, without a smartphone, just on your browser, on your computer. Um, but you can also go to Android or iOS stores, you know, the Apple Store, um, and find it there and download the application for those uh, uh, for the for the mobile app as well that you can take with you when you go out into the field. Now, when you get this downloaded, well, let's go through what does it give me? What are some of the features? What does it help me with? Yeah, so. It really tries to serve pretty much all types of trail users, so it includes hiking, mountain back, uh, uh, hiking, mountain biking, um, horseback riding, uh, three types of off-highway vehicles, um, and as of last winter, we uh, included three types of winter use as well in snowshoeing, cross-country skiing, and snowmobiling. So one of the really neat things about Cotrex is you can filter by those activity types, and the whole map will dynamically change. So if I say, you know, I want to go for a horseback ride, um, I can switch to that horseback riding mode, and it's going to basically gray out all the trails where I'm not allowed to go horseback riding, and it's going to highlight those where I can. So it makes it really easy to kind of look over the map broadly and find new areas or uh, that you might want to go to and, and kind of discover new trails around the state. So if you can use this to plan a long, a long trip or, or if you're driving up somewhere and you want to get a uh, – Let's say I'm driving up towards the Walden area and I want to go hiking up to some of the higher lakes up there. I can find out if there's if there's any trails right in that area, how close they are to the lakes, how they access and 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 probably about does it give me any degree of difficulty? How much information does it give me? Yeah, so it's pretty granular in the amount of data. You can look at individual little trail segments. One of the unique things about Cotrex over a lot of other applications out there that give you this kind of information is that you can tap on any 
trail segment that you see in Cotrex, and you can dive right into um, all kinds of information about it. It shows you all the uses that are allowed. It also shows you um, the surface type. So is it a paved path? Is it a dirt path? Um, it'll show you the management agency that's in charge of that with a quick, easy link to jump to a specific page that talks more about that uh, that trail or that area so you can dive into those details. Um, one of the things that we, um, we did recently um, was include this uh, measurement tool. This measurement tool allows you to uh, uh, basically create your own custom route on the map. So you can kind of tap around, measure a segment of trail, and say, okay, how long would it be if I started this trailhead and I want to get up to this peak and, you know, go around to this area, whatever the case is. Um, you can kind of measure out your own kind of custom plan for what it is you want to do, um, and it'll give you the exact mileage of that as well as an elevation profile so you can see if it's going to be, you know, too steep for you or you want to try to find something a little bit more challenging. You can use it for quite a lot. Uh, and most recently here uh, uh, this spring, we released a, a feature where um, we've started um, tracking uh, COVID-19 related closures and advisories. So, um, you know, a lot of that's been lessening over the last few weeks as far as um, the amount of things that are shut down. But we originally built a tool that um, we were opening up to management agencies around the state so that they could post um, advisories and closures for, you know, things like muddy conditions or special events or construction or some of those other routine reasons why accessing a trail might be difficult at a given time. And that was kind of our original tent intent when we were developing it. Um, but when COVID-19 started rearing its head and things started um, affecting trails and your ability to get outside, our team thought that we might be able to provide information on those closures and guidance coming out of, you know, federal, state, and local sources and really consolidate that into a single place to make it easier for folks um, to kind of know what's open, what's closed, uh, you know, where can I go for more information. So to date, we posted over 500 closures around the state and advisories um, related to COVID-19, and we're updating that on a, on a daily basis as conditions change and, and trying to keep up with things that are closing down, things that are opening up, and uh, respecting those different kind of county, county restrictions. And lastly, if, I, if I'm home and I plan a, a trip on the trail, can I download those maps or how much can I download and then can I have my route and everything in there and then can I save all that? Yeah, absolutely. So as long as you have a Cotrex account, now you don't have to have an account to use Cotrex. You can download the app and use it without an account, but an account is free and all it takes is your email address. Uh, when you have an account like that, uh, what I do as a, as a backpacker is I can go in and I plan on my computer because it just gives me a bigger screen um, when I'm at home, and I'll plan one of those custom routes. And then once I save that custom route for my, uh, for, to my account, um, then I can just pull up the, the mobile app on my phone, and it instantly connects that information. So I have that, uh, uh, that custom route that I've created on my phone. And from there, I can download those uh, maps offline. So you could go in, you could download if you wanted to today, the entire state of Colorado and, and have every all 45,000 miles of trail um, on your phone so you'd never need cell service or, or a Wi-Fi again. Um, but you know, that might take up a lot of space on your phone. Uh, but for an individual trip like that, I can absolutely go in. And I do this all the time where I go, I create that route on my computer. I jump over to my phone, open up the Cotrex app, 
there's that custom route right there in the in the app, and I can say, okay, download that route and download uh, the the surrounding map area, and that way I can navigate offline and uh, works with uh, your GPS coordinates as well, so you're able to kind of navigate using Cotrex. All right, we are out of time, Joe, but tell people again how they find the app. Yeah, absolutely. So you can go to trails.colorado.gov, uh, and then you can download the application in the Apple Store and the Google Play Store. All right. Thank you so much, Cotrex. Just a great, great tool. With all the people we got using the outdoors, it should really be helpful. Thank you, Joe. Thanks so much, Terry. You bet. That's Joe Bryan from Colorado Parks and Wildlife. We're going to take a quick time out. We have more outdoors coming on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. So now you play the Eagles when Darren is on hold, and now he's going to have to wait. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Let's go right to the phones. And joining us, one of our favorite and most long-term partners to this show from A&A Toppers, Darren Lindsay. Good morning, Darren. Good morning, Terry. How are you doing this morning? <laughs> yeah, I am doing great, and... You know, you have been, you and A&A Toppers have been a partner to this show for, gosh, it's over a decade, and I don't even know how long, but one of the things that has always made you guys a great partner is the fact that you participate and support the outdoors yourselves. Now, I know we've got some sales coming up at A&A, and I want to talk about those, and we'll make time for it, but first, people need to know, like, you and Greg both go out fishing. Greg has recently taken up fly fishing. You're an avid hunter and fly fisherman. In fact, you have your own drift boat. You and I were talking. You said you headed out to the Colorado River just not too long ago, but things are really changing there. What are you hearing? Oh, yeah. No, you went up there. You know, this is tis the season for that, you know, late May, early June when those big bug salmon flies start coming out, and it's always one of those timing, timing things. So I've been up there almost every weekend, Terry, trying to see if you can – time it right versus the runoff so yeah i was up there last weekend and went out on a friday and and fooled a few trout with those big old salmon flies and then uh i think you actually then ended up throwing some streamers when you and i talked too is that right yeah i'm a streamer guy as well you know it's hard not to say okay i'm gonna go throw a big old stream around them too and i fooled a few on that as well it's just it's just often awesome with what's going on in the world today you know getting away from it and trying to see the Colorado beauty of those mountains and the river it's just it's just something that kind of takes you and distracts you from some of the challenges that are going on right now have you been able to maintain as the Colorado maintained floatable or has it come up too much well it came up really bad last weekend and it started to come down now um, I saw today was just under 2,000 when it was 32, 33 here last weekend so it came up but it looks like it's coming down so maybe another few more days and probably going to be real fishable and floatable again hey we have a a common friend who i you guys you guys do so much to support the outdoors and uh you you work with all the people that you hear on this show you work you know with with bernie and nate and all the people that we get on the show another one is troy coburn is he in your shop today you know, he uh, he made me come in on a Saturday with his old big work day, uh, work week workload. So we're here on a Saturday. Yeah, he's up. He's here. He's got some accessories we're putting on. So yeah, Troy Coburn's here in the shop right now, getting taking care of some personal business. Hey Terry, how are you he's doing? He's not new. Uh, Troy, how are you? I'm living the dream. How are you? 
I'm doing good, but how come I talked to Darren earlier in the week and I got a bone to pick with you? Me? He's go he he's yeah, he's going up to the Colorado going after these big Browns. Well, and I've been telling people for the longest time if you're going to go chase those Browns, you got to get those big streamers and and jigs from Troy Coburn and he <laughs> didn't have any. How did that happen? <laughs> Well, they're kind of hard to come by. I've been a little busy at work lately. No, okay. Well, make <laughs> sure he gets the supply, Troy. Yeah, I'll hook him up. Hey, hey Troy. Uh, <laughs> he's, a couple he's, he's hooking me up right now. I'm getting a brand new uh, Thule Tapui tent put on the top of my truck. So I'll, I'll pay uh, him you back. Know, I'll tell you what, Troy, in all honesty, A&A does support the outdoor community, don't they? They absolutely do. Hey, I got a couple quick things for you. Um Karen just posted a show on our YouTube channel that involved you and I. It starts out with you and I out on Chatfield using some curly tail grubs and catching some walleyes. So you're a big TV star again. We just put that up on my YouTube channel, the the best of fishing with Terry Wickstrom. And uh, go ahead and tell people real quick where they can get your flies and stuff. Then I got to get back to Darren. Uh, well, it's like I said, they're hard to come by, but uh, on Facebook, I've got a page called Colorado Jig Mafia, and when I actually get time to sit down and tie, um, I knock out a few dozen, and then I take them over to Discount, and, uh, and Austin sells them through his store over there at Discount, De- at Discount Tackle. All right. Troy, good to talk to you. I'll have to, I want to talk to Darren, though, because he's got a bunch of great sales going on. Darren, you got a lot going on at the store. Tell me about it. We did. I just, you know, mentioning what I did here, it's been really, really busy here at the store, and we decided that with everybody really wanting to, you know, get out of Dodge and head up to the mountains like I uh, like I did, we're going to try to uh, help people out with some cost cutting. So Snug Top decided to partner up with us, and I specifically want to mention them. You know, we definitely have the Lear Toppers as well, which Troy has on his Chevy Silverado. But Snug Top stepping up. So if you if you're looking for the high quality, I think Terry, didn't you have a Snug Top on the the last truck you had? I have a Snug Top on right now. You do. Okay. Yeah. So Snug Top is is stepping up, and they're doing a you know our typical kind of deals, maybe hundred dollars off. They're doing it's like two hundred fifty, three hundred dollars off of value on a Snug Top. So I just want to make sure the listeners, if they're ever looking to get a nice quality topper, now's now's the time. And, you know, when we first met, Terry, I don't know, 13, 14 years ago, I, I approached it, and you said, I have always had a topper. A topper just makes too much sense. Troy's in here with his topper. Bernie's got his topper. Chad Chance has his topper. For what we do, covering our gear, the weather that we go through, toppers just make a ton of sense. So if uh, if I can help all your listeners out there and give them a good deal, that's uh, that's what ANA is all about. Well, and to me, a topper makes it a true utility vehicle. I have my ice fishing gear in the truck all winter long. And I have my fishing gear, summer fishing gear, if I want to stop and shore fish or pond fish in the truck right now. And I couldn't do that without my topper. And it just, uh, it you know, you never know when you're going to have to make an emergency fishing stop. You have to have that gear with you. There's fishing rods and, and waders right now in my pickup as well, Terry. You never know when you're going to go say, heck, let's go for the afternoon or the weekend or whatever. So you betcha. So to take advantage of these deals, Darren, how do they find A&A Toppers? You bet. The, the website's obviously the easiest way to do it now, aatoppers.com. Uh, we're going to run that Snug Top special through uh, the whole month of June. And uh, we are we are closed on Saturdays now. We had to do a little rearranging on the uh, on the hours with what's going on in current events. Uh, 
but we're here nine to nine to five through the week, and be happy to uh, happy to help everybody out there that wants to go enjoy those Colorado outdoors. All right, hey, great partners. If anybody needs a truck accessory, A and A Toppers. You heard Troy; they support the people in this industry. They also they're too modest to say, but they donate a lot to things like Pheasants Forever, Ducks Unlimited. They're involved in the community. True outdoor um, outdoor enthusiasts. Thank you, Darren. Thanks a ton, Terry. We'll talk to you soon, buddy. All right, Darren, uh, Lindsay, and of course you got Greg. You got the two stores. Go to aatoppers.com. Um, by the way, uh, I, for- I forgot to mention today. You know, it's free fishing day, so get out there and fish. And we just posted the fishing report yesterday to my Facebook page. You should follow me on Facebook, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Uh, We put fishing reports up there. We put key podcasts from the show up there. Karen puts links to our YouTube channel on the the Facebook page, so it's a great way to stay up with the show. We'll take a quick time out, and Nate will join us on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan.